President John Adams issued this proclamation relative to the national holiday. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows and games and sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. I hope you enjoyed July the 4th. This is Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. This week, we have a very special episode of The Leader's Notebook, an interview with a friend and a fellow patriot relative to some of the recent decisions of the Supreme Court, and I've put this into the middle of another series. I've just set the series aside. We'll get back to that next week, but all this week in celebration of July the 4th, I want to share with my friend, Steve Berger, issues about the Supreme Court and America and where we're headed. Steve Berger is the founding pastor of Grace Chapel, wonderful church in Franklin, Tennessee. He is currently the president of Ambassador Services International, which he founded in 2021. It serves as a nonprofit organization, and it is established as an act of obedience to God's calling to take their ministry of courageous faith, repentance, and healing beyond the walls of the local church. Pastor Berger is enjoying a tremendous ministry of impact and influence around the world, but particularly in Washington, D.C., Steve, welcome to The Leader's Notebook. It's great to have you back again. You're a return guest. Thank you so much, Dr. Rutland. It's always an honor to be with you. I love and respect you so much. It's, uh, it's, it's a real honor. Thank you, sir. Well, on this special week, we're interrupting a, a lengthy series to have this special week of um, July 4th week. It'll run the 5th through the 12th of, um, uh, of this discussion, particularly concerning the, the recent events and wonderful outcomes at the Supreme Court, but about uh, America and, and where, where Steve Berger might think we're headed and, and some ray of hope for us. So let's begin by talking about the, the most, probably, I think the most important Supreme Court ruling, at least in the last 50 years, and that is the reversal of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Would you say that's a true statement? I would absolutely say that uh, for 50 years. I mean, you think about that, 50 years, people Christians in particular have been praying and fasting, crying out to God, given tens, maybe hundreds of millions of dollars to see this historic event happen, and, and now it's happened, and it's, it's beautiful to behold. You know, I, I was thinking, uh, that's a, such a good point you made, I was thinking about all the march to life in cities, uh, and, and around the world there were even marches to life, and every year in, in Washington, and all the, the prayer meetings, and the, everything, it's, it's a half a century of really gut-wrenching faith prayer by the community of faith relative to, to getting this horrible, horrible thing overturned. It, it's, it's really a, an amazing thing that it's happened in our lifetime, that we're both uh, old enough to have seen the whole thing from beginning to end. Exactly. You know, if, if I was to try to boil this down to one word, 
and um, as a as a point of application, that is, I really just think this is about perseverance. Mm. That's mm. that's the one word, and and I understand that perseverance includes faith and all of that, but but the people of God persevered for fifty years. Yes, they never gave up hope. They kept praying, fasting, giving, crying out, doing everything that they could, and it really is a reminder to all of us how important perseverance is. It's no wonder that Peter, you know, in Second Peter, he tells us that we have to, of course, be diligent in these things. But one of the things he says to add to our self-control, we need to add to self-control perseverance. Mm-hmm. And so perseverance is a characteristic that the body of Christ needs to walk in. And this should encourage us for the battles we're fighting today to continue to persevere, though we don't see the outcome yet. It really should encourage our faith, and and as you say, the virtue of perseverance, the the family with the wayward child that they just keep praying for year after year after year, the the woman with a a husband or a sick child, or to to catch hold of the hem of Jesus' garment and just say, I, I will not let you go. I'm going to keep praying and keep believing. It it really is an a a manifestation of perseverance and prayer, just hammering on the door of heaven until we had a breakthrough. It's really amazing, isn't it? It is. It's, you know, you talk about the, the woman grabbing hold of Jesus, uh, the hem of his garment. And, you know, I think of Jacob too, just grabbing on to the angel and saying, I'm not letting go until mm, you mm, bless me. Mm. I'm not letting go. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I know what your, your word says. I know what your will is. I know what your ways are. And I'm holding on until you come through, oh God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, let's take just a moment and sort of just unpack a little bit the actual ruling itself. Uh-huh. So a lot of people labor under the misapprehension that that this ruling made um, abortion illegal in the United States. And that that is absolutely not what they ruled, is it? That's not at all, in fact. Um, it, it really is a, it's a, an unfortunate uh, misunderstanding because I think it's going to cause some people to just kind of retreat and relax thinking that total victory is here. So what has happened is the ruling means that the issue goes back to the individual states where it should have always been, and individual states will determine whether they're going to legalize uh, abortion or not. And so you have, of course, the states on the, on the East, uh, and the West Coast that are currently very pro abortion, uh, dare I say pro murder, pro infanticide. And then you have the heartland where many of the states, uh, like we did here in Tennessee, we had trigger laws set up where, uh, in the event that, that Roe v. Wade ever got overturned, a law would immediately go into effect to outlaw abortion in this state. So this isn't a national issue where abortion has been uh, completely um, dismantled on a national level, but it does allow states' rights to kick in and individual states to abolish the atrocity of abortion. I took the time to read, to Google up and read the entire opinion written by Justice Alito. I read it, every word of it. I wanted to hear what he actually says. And he takes great pains to say that and to say, look, 
basically all we're saying, this has nothing to do with anything else. This doesn't have anything to do with, with all of the goofy stuff people have said of racially mixed marriages and, and, uh, uh, prophylactic devices, birth control, anything. He said it has nothing to do with anything except one thing. There is no mention of abortion in the Constitution. There is no inherent constitutional right to an abortion. That's all we're saying. So it returns to the individual states to make the laws as they see fit. Yeah, that's a brilliant summary, Dr. Rutland, because that's the truth. And like I said a moment ago, it should have stayed with the state's um, the entire time. And then we had the unfortunate and unconstitutional uh, ruling back in 73 that, uh, again, thank God it's finally been overturned. It seems to me now that as a result of this ruling and what's happened, that it increases the importance of uh, elections for state houses mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in the 50 states, that whereas before the election emphasis was always and still will continue to be. I'm not saying we shouldn't care about who gets elected to the United States Congress, but it seems to me that now there's a renewed interest in getting the right people elected to state representatives and state senators. Yeah, and I would add to that, Dr. Rutland, uh, all the way down to school boards. Mm, and mm. and the smaller elections, you know, so-called smaller elections, but these smaller elections that far too many people, particularly conservatives, have overlooked for so many years. And as it relates to the school board issue, this is why we have so many uh, on the extreme left doing just heinous things from drag queen story hour to the sexualizing of our children. All of that goes away if conservatives would wake up and, and run and get elected, we could see the entire country, the entire country turn if we can get the right people in place. Now, saying that, I'm not saying that our hope is solely in politics or our, our elected officials. But what I am saying is we can't forget that aspect that God has given us uh, to see this nation return to a much greater form of righteousness than we're walking in right now. Amen. And uh, and you and I are both firm believers, and I think that uh, responsible Christians everywhere are, that that to retreat from, from political activism is a mistake for spirit-filled Christians. We should be certainly, as you say, uh, Jesus is Lord, not George Washington. But at the same time, we need to be involved and engaged at the political level, local as well as national. Yeah. Your point about, your point about school boards brings up another huge ruling, and that is Kennedy v. Bremerton, uh, school district in Washington, where the Supreme Court ruled in favor of this football coach who, who was fired just because he wanted to have a prayer after a game on the 50 yard line. And after six years, the Supreme Court backed his, his perseverance. That's what I kept interrupting you to say again, Mark. Isn't it another example of perseverance? I was talking to Kelly Shackelford just yesterday, who's the attorney in the case, and the perseverance, they're not giving up attitude as they lost repeatedly leading up to the Supreme Court ruling. They just weren't going to give up. And of course, uh, Kelly and the coach are ecstatic uh, as much of the country is. People are concerned about religious rights and religious freedom. It was a huge victory. So in just a matter of days, we had two significant historic victories from the Supreme Court.
I also took the time to read the um, the decision, the the opinion on the Kennedy case, and I thought that the majority decision made a very important point that this was never about anything but censorship and suppression. And, and that is what the Supreme Court rebuked. It's not a matter of establishment. They make the point the establishment clause did not prevail in the Kennedy case. Right. They said this is not about establishment. This is about censorship and suppression. And I love those two words. Yeah, because again, the country as a whole is waking up to censorship and, and the cancel culture, realizing that innocent people that they're not just being deprived of their constitutional rights, they're being slandered and mischaracterized by people uh, of ill intent. And I think, I think, Dr. Rutland, the country is getting sick of it all. Mm. I think the country is waking up and saying enough is enough. It's one of those instances, you know, where we, we've said historically, you know, where the devil just pushes one time too far. That's it. And he pushes someone into the arms of Jesus. And I think the devil has pushed too far for too long with these crazy leftist ideas. And it's pushing the country right into the arms of righteousness. And we hope into the arms of Jesus. Especially, I think that's such a good point. And especially was it, was it true of abortion? I heard a liberal pundit, not a conservative but a liberal pro-abortion pundit saying we pushed too far on abortion. We wanted partial birth abortion. And then California is even talking about post-birth abortion, which is absolutely nothing but legalized infanticide. And, and this guy was bemoaning the fact he said, we, we just, we just pushed it too far. If we had just left abortion alone, it never would have been reversed. But I, I, I agree with you. The devil has no self-control. So he just pushes and pushes and pushes till he overplays his hand, and God takes advantage of that. I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, uh, I read an article yesterday. In fact, I read several with this same theme. It sounds like you did as well, where, you know, who do we have to thank for this ruling? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> in a strange sense, we have the Democrats to thank. Mm. Uh, Barack Obama, in his first term from 09 to 10, uh, he had the supermajority filibuster proof. Um, Senate and House, he promised within the first hundred days of his of uh, of his term that he was going to uh, codify Roe, that um, it was going to be put into national law, and he had a filibuster-proof supermajority. And after promising he would do it, he didn't do it. This is the last time that that the left could have done this. He promised they would do it. They didn't do it. The Women's Choice Act never did become law. They could have done it, and they didn't. And then you add to that the crazy things you talked about infanticide, the crazy things that Governor Northam in Virginia just a year ago, a year and a half ago, was saying um, about you know letting the baby be born and then having the mother and the doctors decide whether to let it live or not. Craziness. It's, it is. It's, it's demonic, isn't it? Demonic. I mean, the scripture yes. in Psalm 106 says that God says to those that sacrifice their children, but they're sacrificing them to demons. Yes. God's word tells us abortion is demonic. And it's, uh, 
people want to make it a fundamentally Christian issue, but if but I could just remind the listeners that when a pagan king of Egypt ordered Egyptian, not Jewish, but Egyptian midwives to strangle post-birth male babies, they refused that somehow the natural law within them, pagan women, not they weren't Jews, they certainly weren't Christians, but they weren't even Jews. They were pagan Egyptian midwives, and they said this is fundamentally wrong to kill newborn babies. And and it shows that it is it is a gross sin. Of course, you and I are Christians, we believe this. We believe the Bible, but just natural law, the 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 reasonable sense that there is something evil about killing babies. Yeah. It's <laughs> I, I mean, I don't even have anything to add to that, Dr. Edlin. It's so sobering to me to think that ancient pagan Egyptian women had a more conservative view, if you will, on abortion than some churches do today. It's very, very troubling. Amen. Steve, let me uh, shift to your your work with ASI there in Washington, D.C. Uh, you're so connected to so many um uh, representatives, senators, people right in the in the heart of the government. There, uh, give us a little bit of thought on some of their comments, their responses. You you talk with them in private meetings in a living room. Tell us about some of the things on the inside that some representative or senator or somebody said to you about this new ruling. Well, of course, they're overjoyed uh, by it all, and they they saw it coming um, behind the scenes and uh, rejoice to see the the day that it's here. Um, What I would say to the listener, Dr. Rutland, is in the midst of rejoicing for for what happened, okay, Mm -hmm. we we dare not um, put all of our trust in, in our elected officials, because let me tell you what they tell me. The elected officials, the highest officers in the land, Mm -hmm. they say, we understand that government isn't the answer. And those that are followers of Jesus say, we understand that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is the ultimate answer. The government just needs to get more in line with Jesus. And so a word to the church, pray for our elected officials. The vast majority of them, Dr. Rutland, feel abandoned by the church Mm. because the church has bought into this notion of separation in church and state means we shouldn't or can't be involved. And when the church retreated from government and politics, the devil was happy to fill that void. And we have what we have now, which is a total mess. So my friends there in Washington, D.C. say, first of all, put your faith in Jesus. Second of all, pray for us. Pray for our strength. Pray for our courage. Pray for it because they get hammered on a daily basis. And far too often they feel forgotten by the church. So church, this is our encouragement to you. Pray for your elected officials. Send them a good note. Send them a nice email. Send something to encourage them. You'll be surprised what it does for them. Oh, Steve, something about that kind of touched my heart. I had, you know, you think of a United States senator or a representative or something like that, often the in the halls of power in faraway Washington D.C. And the the thought that they are sitting alone in their office at night and saying, "Gee, I I wish my church was praying for me." That I don't know. That kind of touched my heart, Steve. Well, I'm, I'm telling you that I have looked at, <laughs> I've looked at congressmen and I've looked at senators in their eyes and watched their eyes fill with tears 
and say, we have felt forgotten by the church. And they're there. I'm talking about the people that I interact with regularly. They're there feeling that God had called them to this, that they are there to, to um, try to implement righteousness as much as is possible. Like they're there sacrificing. They are the epitome of public servants. I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying the people I interact with. They're there serving the public and serving the Lord. And for them to feel forgotten or even forsaken by the church, again, is a real testimony on the church. We've got to wake up, re-engage, start praying for our leaders and believing God to turn the tide on this nation. I hope every single listener of the Leader's Notebook has just heard what what uh, Pastor Steve Berger said. I hope you will find uh, which of your leaders, uh, your congressman, congressperson, your senators, and that you will send them encouraging Christian. They, they get plenty of griping and moaning and accusations and crazy stuff. Send them uh, an email, a letter, something, just saying, I'm praying for you, I love you, and I'm believing for God to give you wisdom and grace to persevere and and give us the godly leadership that we want. I I just think this is a moment for us to to not only rejoice and thank God for what he's accomplished, which is a miracle, I'm not making light of it, but now let's, let's get back in the game, amen? Amen. Steve, let me, uh, let me ask you if you would please, uh, all this week, all of us have Fourth of July on our minds. And uh, as you heard at the beginning of the broadcast, I read John Adams' proclamation as celebrating with with fireworks and shows and parades and everything else. It's such a, a wonderful proclamation. But I just thought on this podcast today, we might celebrate the the national the week of the national birthday with with intercessory prayer. Yeah. And so I'd like to ask you if you would to lead us all in in a prayer for the nation. You you've I know you you've uh, sat across from the Supreme Court literally, not figuratively. Literally sat in a room across from the Supreme Court and interceded and prayed and believed God for this to come out of the Supreme Court when perhaps most of us in the country had given up hope it would ever happen. Yeah. So now will you Will you lead us in a prayer for the nation that we love? I would. And again, just briefly before I do, I would encourage the listener, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5, read it, make it a part of your Christian uh, disciplines to pray for the government leaders. Paul gives it a priority uh, in the life of the believer, and uh, we need to pay it special attention. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 5. Now, shall we pray together? Let's agree together that God would continue to move mightily across the United States of America. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name that's above every name, we do pray now for this country. And God, we understand that you've given one prescription for any country that exists, one prescription for its national healing, and that is a repentance and a return to you. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray in the midst of all that we're grateful for here in America, We do sense and see, God, that we need to return to you. And so, Father, by your Spirit, may America have a Nineveh moment, an ancient moment, Lord, just like Nineveh did, where they repented and cried out to you and you spared the nation. God, from the king, the president, on down to the person walking down the street, may your Spirit do such a beautiful, powerful work that this nation would return to you in ways 
that are beyond our imagination. God, work a miracle, we pray in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, and amen. You know, when I listen to Pastor Berger's prayer there, this came into my mind. Many of us thought that praying for the reversal of Roe v. Wade was too big of a prayer. Maybe it was too small. Maybe instead mm-hmm. of just praying for the reversal of Roe v. Wade, now we need to pray for a nationwide revival, third great awakening in this country. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. Steve, thank you so much for joining us again on The Leader's Notebook. It, it just means the world to us, the work that you're doing there in Washington, D.C. May God bless you and bless ASI. Uh, what? Tell us how they can get onto your podcast. Yeah, so my podcast is called This Is That uh, with Steve Berger, and they can it's on all the different platforms, and we'd love to, uh, to have you join us and listen to our weekly podcast. So This Is That with Steve Berger. I know that you will subscribe and rate Steve and, and that you'll enjoy his podcast as I do. God bless you, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode, this special episode of The Leader's Notebook. We rejoice in this wonderful decision that has come from the United States Supreme Court that has ruled, really, I believe, in a way that is pleasing to the heart and mind of God. And we believe now that at the state level, in state after state after state, that the elected officials will do the right thing that they will serve God faithfully. And we believe, as Pastor Berger just led us, for a great move of the Holy Ghost in this country. Until we meet again, I'm Mark Rutland, and this has been The Leader's Notebook.